Welcome to the Nat Theo Podcast, where we explore nature, the Bible, and what both of them show us about our Creator God, who made this wild and wonderful world. I'm Erin Lynham, Master Naturalist, Bible teacher, and author, and I am so excited to explore God's Word and His created world with you. Hi, listeners. My kids and I just got back from a nature hike that we were guiding this morning for about 20 other kids. And you know what the coolest thing we saw this morning was? It was a wild turkey and she crossed the path right in front of us. And then get this, right behind her, 11 little chicks, little baby turkeys were following her across the path. I had never seen that before. I've seen wild turkeys, but not with baby chicks. And they were brand new. They were so tiny, you guys. I love getting to get out in nature and find new things. Have you seen anything interesting today? If you haven't, I want to challenge you after this episode to get outside and find something beautiful or wonderful or interesting. You know what's one of the most important things about being a naturalist or someone who studies nature? It's to always be learning. If you were to come to my house early in the morning, you would probably find me at my table with a big old cup of coffee, my Bible and notebook and nature books. I love constantly being able to learn. And a really important part of that is being okay with the fact that sometimes we have our facts incorrect. And that is a great opportunity to learn. I had that opportunity this week when a listener emailed me and said, hey, I loved episode four about deer antlers, but I think you had one of your facts incorrect. And she was able to educate me on this. So I said in that episode that deer, when their antlers get itchy, they rub them on trees and they fall off. Well, it's not actually the antlers that get itchy, but that velvet, that soft fuzz on the antlers that we talked about in that episode. So a deer grows its antlers and it has this soft fuzz and that fuzz gets itchy and that's what they're rubbing off on those trees. And then later after mating season is when the antlers fall off, which again, like we shared on that episode, is such a wonderful picture of what we see in scripture when God calls us to put off what is old and live in our new life in him. So I just wanted to make that correction. And I just love that as people who study nature, we get to always be learning. On that note, let's learn about roly polies. Have you ever held a roly poly or let one crawl around on your hand or arm? A roly poly is also known as a pill bug. And it's that tiny gray creature with lots of legs that you might find when you flip over a rock or a log in your yard. They look like these tiny armadillos with this hard armor-like shell on their backs. And when they feel afraid or threatened, they roll into a tiny ball. So today, our roadmap, where are we going? We're going to look at the fascinating lives of roly-polies, including their true identity, because these little creatures, they can be a bit tricky. We're going to look at other things in nature that aren't what they seem, and how sometimes words in conversations when we're talking with people, sometimes words aren't quite what they seem either. 
and how just like when we study nature, you guys, it's so important that we bring words back to their original identity and definition. So recently, my kids and I, we not only played with roly-polies, but we trained them. That's right, you guys. I recently became a roly-poly trainer. Did you know that you can train roly-polies? This was such a neat experiment we did. Okay, so here's how we did it. We made a maze out of a cookie sheet. So like a baking pan, one of those metal sheets with the little ridges on the sides. And we took dominoes and we set them up on their edges in lines to create a 3D maze. If you've ever been to like a corn maze or a hay maze, it was kind of like that, but really small for a roly-poly. We wanted to train our roly-poly, who we named Molly, to follow the maze in a certain course. We created a choice for her. So we set up the dominoes in such a way that it looked like a big uppercase T so that Molly would start at the base of the T and crawl her way up. And then once she got to that crossbar, she would have a choice to either go right or left. And we found that Molly always wanted to turn right. We weren't really sure why this was, but we wanted to see if we could train her to instead turn left. And to do this, we used her phototaxis. Whoa, that's a big word. Let's break it down. Let's look first at the end of the word, phototaxis. Let's look at taxis, meaning movement. Think about a similar word, taxi. Those yellow cars that zip around the city, taking people all over. Think about that movement. Taxis means movement. Now let's look at the front of the word photo, which brings in the concept of light. So phototaxis is movement driven by light. God carefully designed some creatures with this phototaxis. And there's two kinds. Some creatures have positive phototaxis. This means they love light. They want to move toward light. If you've ever been outside at nighttime and maybe there's a street light or a lamp by your house and you see all these moths buzzing around that lamp, that is positive phototaxis. They want to get as close to that light as they can. Now there's also negative phototaxis, and this is the opposite. This means a creature moves away from the light, and that's the case for roly-polies. That's why you often find them under rocks or logs. They want to escape the light. They have negative phototaxis. So this is what we used to train Molly, our roly-poly. We placed her at the bottom of the T-shape between the dominoes, and immediately she starts crawling up toward the top of that T, and then she would stop. This was so interesting, you guys. It was like she was considering her options. Hmm. And remember, she always liked to turn right, and we wanted to train her to turn left. So each time Molly turned right, we would shine a flashlight on her to make her want to escape that light and go the other way. Now, I should probably tell you that we did not conduct this experiment very long. We did not want to stress Molly out. Instead, we trained her for a while, took some observations, and then put her back outside where she could safely go on with her day. But this experiment allowed us to observe how God has carefully designed roly-polies. And we made some interesting observations. 
It took about 12 tries to get Molly to begin turning left. And what really convinced her wasn't so much the flashlight. I think we had found kind of a stubborn roly-poly, but instead we actually changed a different condition in our experiment. We rearranged the dominoes. You see, we have different color dominoes. And my son had this idea that if Molly wants darkness, we could make the left side of the course out of black dominoes and the right side of the course out of white dominoes. Once we rearranged the course, Molly began choosing the left option more often. It seems that she was drawn to the darker color of dominoes, which makes sense with her negative phototaxis or that instinct to escape the light. Before we go any further, I think there's something that you should know about Molly and her roly-poly friends. They're not bugs. That's right, you guys, pill bugs or roly-polies are not bugs, even though they look like them. This is our important lesson for today. Things in nature are not always what they seem to be. A roly-poly or a pill bug is actually a crustacean. This means they're related to creatures like lobsters and crawdads or crayfish. They're what is known as a terrestrial crustacean. This means they are crustaceans that spend their lives on land instead of their cousins who often live underwater like crabs, lobsters, shrimp, and prawns. You know what? In researching for this episode, I went to the library to find books on roly-polies. And I didn't know which Mm. section to look in. Should I look in the insect section because most people think they're bugs or should I look in the crustacean section? And I actually found more roly-poly books in the insect section because that's normally where we think they would be. Another interesting thing about roly-polies is that they kind of act like kangaroos. No, they're not hopping all over, but do you know where a kangaroo keeps its baby safe? A kangaroo has a pouch or like a little pocket where its baby known as a joey sits. Roly-poly mamas have one of these pockets also. It's called a marsupium. She actually lays her eggs inside of this little pocket and they hatch in there and then she keeps her babies inside and safe until they're ready to venture out on their own. But unlike a kangaroo who keeps one baby in her pouch, A roly-poly can have, you guys get this, anywhere from 100 to 200 babies inside of her marsupium pouch. Think about how tiny a roly-poly is, and yet she can hold up to 200 babies in that pouch. God's creatures are truly amazing. Okay, so now we know a roly-poly's true identity. Despite its truer name of pill bug, it's not a bug at all, but a crustacean. So are there other things in nature that aren't quite what they seem? Let's explore some creatures whose true identities might surprise you. Let's look first at a prairie dog. 
I have a lot of prairie dogs where I live in Colorado, and often when we're driving past a field, we can see their dirt mounds, their burrows, and then they're just running all over the field. But despite being called a prairie dog, they're not dogs at all. They're actually closely related to squirrels. What about a koala bear? A koala bear is not a bear at all. It's a marsupial, again, kind of like a kangaroo. What about foxes? I love watching foxes. We have a family of them in our neighborhood and I love to see them. And when you watch a fox, they hunt and pounce and act a lot like cats, but they are actually a member of the dog kind. They are a wild dog, kind of like a coyote or a wolf. Let me tell you about one more creature that once tricked me with its identity. I was hiking with my husband one day and we saw this creature buzzing all over this flowering bush and it looked just like a hummingbird. But something struck me about this creature. It didn't quite look right. And I looked it up later and it was actually a sphinx moth. I have found these creatures a few other times since then and they're so interesting. They look just like a hummingbird and some people even call them the hummingbird moth but they're not a hummingbird and they're not even a bird at all, but they are a moth. You see, things in nature are not always what they seem or what we might guess just by looking at them. This is why it's so important as a naturalist or someone studying nature to look closely at the details of natural things and creatures and really get to their true identities. And you know, Just like creatures, sometimes words are not always what they seem. Sometimes we hear a word like love or truth or even hate, but it's being used in a way that's not true to its identity or what that word really means. Just like it's important in nature to trace something back to its original identity and meaning, the same is true in our conversations when we're talking with people. Whether we're having a discussion with someone or we're reading a book or hearing something on the news or social media, it's important that we take a word back and trace it to what it really means. Just like we traced that roly-poly back to its original identity as a crustacean. So let's look at the word love. Many times we can throw around this word. We might say something like, I love pizza. Mm. Or I love ice cream. Mm. Instead, what we probably mean is I really enjoy pizza or ice cream. In the Bible, love is defined more by an action than a feeling. Let's look at what God says about love in the Bible. 1 John 4, 8 says, God is love. You guys, this is so important. God is the definition and the source of love. That is where all true love comes from. So if God is love, which he is, we should really listen to what he says about love. In John 13, 34, Jesus told his followers this. He said, I give you a new command. So he's telling them to do something. He said, love each other. You must love each other as I have loved you. So Jesus is our example of love. 
But how did Jesus love? Well, let's look at Mark 10, 45. It says, the Son of Man, and that's talking about Jesus, did not come to be served. He came to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many people. If we trace back this word love in the scriptures, we often find the Greek word agape. This really is a picture of sacrificial love. It's when you serve someone. So God's love is defined by service and putting others before ourselves. I don't know about you guys, but I don't really plan on serving pizza or ice cream. Well, okay, maybe like at a party when I'm giving pizza and ice cream out, I'm serving it. But I don't plan to lay down my life for a slice of pizza. So do you see what God is saying? Love is not simply a feeling or emotion, although our feelings often go along with it. Instead, God talks about love in serving one another. Truth is another word that can be confusing. Let's trace it back to its meaning. Simply put, truth is a reflection of reality. The dictionary says this too. Truth is what really is, well, real. Something we need to know about truth is this. It's not like Plato. We can't shape and reshape truth into whatever we want it to look like. There's a famous author, George Orwell, who wrote a book called 1984. It's a fiction book, so it's a made-up story, but it can hold important lessons. And in this book, George told a story about people who were trying to do away with or change truth. And he wrote this about nature. He said, the solid world, that is nature, exists. Its laws do not change. Stones are hard. Water is wet. You guys, when you go outside and maybe you play in a creek, is that water dry or wet? It's wet, right? And when you pick up a rock, is it soft or hard? It's usually hard, right? Like sometimes we have that sandstone that's really like pebbles or sand pushed together and it's softer than other rocks. But in general, rocks are hard. When you feel the sunshine on your skin, is it cold or hot? It's hot. If you provoke a grizzly bear, it's going to attack. Okay, hopefully you've not experienced that last one up close. But you see what I'm saying? Nature reflects reality. What is really real? We don't get to decide what it is. This is one reason I really enjoy studying nature. I get to see and remember truth and reality. Jesus said something bold about truth in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. The only way to the Father is through me. The Bible says that Jesus is truth. Just like God is love, so we should look at his definition of love. Jesus is truth. So we should look at his definition of truth as we see it in the Bible. Let's look at one more word, hate. Some people think that if you disagree with them, you're being hateful. Well, no. Disagreeing and hate are two very different things. If someone says, I think purple is the best color, and you disagree and you think green is the best color, this doesn't mean that you hate them. 
it means that you disagree. Let's look at a more serious example. If someone says, I believe this is the truth, and you disagree with what they think is true, that doesn't mean you hate them. It means you disagree. The author Hilary Morgan Ferrer said this, we are called to be loving, but in love, we should recognize and point out false definitions. Disagreement does not equal hate. In this world, you guys, we will meet people who use different definitions for love and truth and hate than we do. When we encounter this, remember these words from Ephesians 4.15, we will speak the truth in love. It's important that we share God's truth from the Bible, that we stand firm in that, in a way that serves and shares God's love with others. It's not about being right or making our points or having the best argument. No, you guys, God's truth and love are beautiful. And we get to share that truth and love with others who might be hurting or confused or need hope. Listen to 1 Peter 3.15. This is so important. Always be ready to answer everyone who asks you to explain about the hope you have. But answer in a gentle way and with respect. Listeners, let's stay in God's word so we know his truth and we are filled with his love. What is super important when studying nature? Going slowly, learning to observe and watch and see what is really before us, studying the details and learning not just what something looks like, but what it truly is. Think again about a roly-poly. Imagine a friend is holding one on their hand and they say to you, look at this cool bug. Now, we shouldn't be know-it-alls. We don't need to run over and say, that's not a bug, that's a crustacean. No, instead we can be gentle and kind and respectful. We can say something like, that is so neat. Do you know what's really cool about them? They're not actually bugs at all, even though they look like them. They're actually crustaceans. Now your friend can understand what they are holding and learn more about it. And the same is true for the conversations that we have. We can trace those words back to their original identities, and then we can have more respectful and helpful and productive conversations. So here's a challenge for this week. Go trace something in nature back to its true identity. You can go to your local library and check out guidebooks on plants and birds and insects, and then go on a hike in a natural area. Make sure you spend at least an hour simply looking at nature around you. See if you can identify a flower or a tree or an insect or a bird. You can even bring a notebook and make a sketch of what you see and write down some descriptive words about what size it is or what colors it has or what shape it is or how it's behaving. Spend time in careful observation and learn the true identity of the beautiful things around you. Hey listeners, this is Erin and I need your help. 
We would love to get this podcast to more listeners so they can discover God out in nature. You can help us do that by following, rating, and reviewing. If you're listening on Apple, please make sure to follow the podcast and leave us a rating and review. And wherever you're listening, please share this podcast with others.